0: Welcome to the Journal Hijabi podcast. I'm your host, Sidine. And here, we're all about elevating the voices of Hijabi women in mainstream media through authentic storytelling. Without further ado, let's begin the episode.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role
0: Peloton has everything you need to help you
1: get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com.
2: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com, that's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
3: For the majority of my life, I pretty much kind of accepted the struggle that things would be hard and I would be discriminated against and I'm facing racism. And I kind of, in this moment, have come to realize like, oh my gosh, no, I don't have to accept it. I can stand with these millions of other people who are standing up and say, I want to change it and I want something to be different.
0: Welcome, I'm Serene Cotter, host of the Journal Hijabi podcast. I created this platform to further strengthen our bond with the hijab. It's time to speak about it in a fun, comfortable, and non-controversial way. Journal Hijabi is a space where women can authentically and fearlessly be themselves. Join in on our weekly conversations with different hijabis where we discuss the stories of each hijabi and dive deep into the meaning behind it. You can support this podcast by simply leaving an honest review and sharing it with the people you know would love it. Let's begin. Today I am sitting down with Zahra Al-Jabri. She is an amazing spiritual mindset coach, a writer who supports Muslims to achieve true success in this life and the next. She is a mother of four and founder of Modesty and Practical Muslim which is a blog that shares posts about spiritual growth as conscious human beings. I welcome you Zahra.
3: Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure.
0: I'm so glad to have you on here. I already know that you're such a boss lady. I honestly immerse myself in your blog posts and IGTVs and practical muslim page so in the midst of everything going on whether that be the pandemic the fight for racial justice and humanitarian crisis i would love to hear from you and share with our listeners how do you shift your mindset in the midst of chaos to have a deeper connection with allah yeah wow that's
3: a um such a powerful question (laughs) and such an important question because a lot of times with with all the things going on you can It's easy to focus on okay well what am i supposed to do or how can i serve or how can i help because it seems like those are the more pressing things to kind of spring into action because there's so much stuff going on but really the more powerful place to start is with turning inward and looking at yourself your beliefs your thoughts your own kind of perspective and attitude which all kind of is the words that make up your mindset Towards how you're viewing life in general and how you're viewing a law and how you're viewing yourself. So, what I would say is with everything that's going mm-hmm. on, to think about what do you feel like is bothering you? What do you feel like is wrong, right? Okay, you know, it's not right that we can't, we don't have a national plan, you know, in the US to kind of really address COVID. It's not right that, you know, in 2020, Black people are still. Being, you know, so unjustly mm-hmm. and severely mistreated and police brutality and being killed. Okay, now, so we're thinking about those things, and then we think about, well, how could things be different? How could, how would I want the world to look? How, you know, as as a black person, how would I want to be treated? And kind of consider the perspective of what's the ideal for me and then think about do I think that's even possible do I believe that that can happen do I believe that Allah would support me to achieving that especially as I think about racial injustice for the majority of my life I pretty much kind of accepted the struggle that things would be hard and I would be discriminated against and I'm facing racism and I kind of in this moment have come to realize like oh my gosh no I don't have to accept it I can stand with these millions of other people who are standing up and say, I want to change it and I want something to be different. And although I may feel that I have a small, you know, I'm only one out of many, that it seems like I'm a small part to play, but every small voice together adds up to like a great surge. And so in thinking of my part, my role, what, how I want the world to look. And now then considering, okay, do I believe that I've got a law support? To do this because when we start from that place of like, do I have a lot of support to create the life I want to live in, the life I want to have and the world I want to see, then we begin to shift because if we start from a place of like, oh, just what can I do? What can I do? We will quickly realize that, you know, we're super limited. Oh my gosh, you know, I have all these other obligations um, of my of my work, of school, of my, of my family. Um, I'm tired I have to rest I have to sleep and so we feel limited by our own personal human capacity but when we start from a place of like this is what I want to see and will Allah support me then we kind of understand that anything that we do can be amplified by Allah and we stay in that state of appreciation for even the small actions that we do. So, that's kind of just a place to start. I don't know if that directly um, gets to your question, but it's the place to start shifting your mind before you get into truly now delving into what is your relationship with Allah and how can you really shift your mindset.
0: Yes, absolutely. You answered that in such a good way. And I love that you mentioned with everything going on to not just accept it as it is, just because it has been going on for a long time, but to to actually stand your ground and do something about it and seeing so many other people draw more attention to it is really encouraging. And so I love that you mentioned not to accept it as it is, but to know that this is not gonna be tolerated anymore and something needs to be done about it.
3: Yeah, and I mean that um, analogy can be drawn to your own personal life, right? Um, So if we're looking specifically like at racism in America, um like I like I just shared, right? I had kind of been like, okay, I just accept it, this is the way that things are. And, you know, we reach this point where, you know, George Floyd is a tipping point and we see all of this response and like, okay, no, I'm not going to accept it. I'm going to do something. I'm going to call people out. I'm going to talk about it more. I'm going to, you know, petition and advocate and protest or whatever, donate all the different ways that I can do things. And the same in our own personal lives, right? We might be feeling, you know, something about our, um, our body or our, you know, our physical health or something about our career and our job and just like, oh, you know, well, this is, you know, this is the body type that I am, there's really nothing I can do about it, Um, you know, I've tried other diets, or this and that, or health fitness routines, and it hasn't worked for me, so I just have to accept it, and in the same way, you can be like, no, I don't have to accept it, I know I've tried all these other things, but I'm going, you know, I believe that Allah will support me to have a healthy, fit, athletic body, whatever your goals are for health, Um, and I'm going to try this, you know, this next new regimen, and I'm going to do it in the headspace in the mental space that a lot is going to support me so even if today um only go to the gym for 15 minutes when I said I want to go for 45 or work out at home there's, because you can't really go to the gym I guess they're opening back up I don't know what when people will be listening to this but um <laughs> I'm only working out for 15 minutes that's okay tomorrow I'll work out for 45 or the next day I'll work mm-hmm. out for an hour and so that same type of attitude we can take in our personal life same thing with career like oh you know I study for this and now I'm not getting the job that I want or this job that I have is not going as I want and kind of resigning ourselves to like oh you know it's not meant for me I just have to accept it this is what Allah wants for me and not really fighting and standing up and saying no you know what I really want to do is this thing and I want to advance in this way and I'm going to take the steps to do it
0: yes absolutely now that we've discussed shifting the mindset i want to talk about maintaining it in your blog post mindset first the first point you mention is our review of allah and how he truly wants what's best for us however especially during these trying times of facing prolonged injustice You might become overwhelmed with constantly having to maintain a positive mindset and might even start questioning why is this happening to you and why is God even allowing this? So my question is, how do you maintain the view of Allah and the positive spiritual mindset? in moments like these?
3: Yes, that's an excellent question as well. So just to kind of give that overview um, for people who might not have read my blog post, to, in order to truly benefit from the blessings and the Islamic knowledge that we all have, the, f- the first place we have to start is that do we believe that Allah is on our side supporting us and wanting us to have success? And what I found in my coaching practice and from my own personal experience is that there's a, there is a unconscious belief among many Muslims that Allah is not on our side, that Allah, um, in the sense that we, we are so focused or terrified of Allah's wrath and punishment, um, and view him as judgmental, that, you know, he's, um, writing down our deeds in our different books. The angels are writing down our deeds and Allah is judging us every time. Oh, you missed Fajr. Oh, you didn't say a nice word to your mom. Oops, you forgot to call your sister. Um, all these things that Allah is judging us harshly. And so we constantly are in a a worried, fearful state that I'm not good enough. I'm not a good Muslim. Oh, you know, that's why I didn't uh, get that job. That's why that person um, I wanted to talk to for marriage, you know, it didn't work out. I'm getting hit with the evil eye. And we're just feeling like we're kind of swimming upstream, that we're trying to go and do these things. But the world is against us. And because we haven't been the perfect Muslims, Allah is against us all- also. And this notion, this view that, you know, I picked up from Sunday school and from just being around in the community is is wrong. It's not correct. Allah is on our side. Allah wants our success. Allah knows that we're not perfect. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. And Allah is so merciful and so loving and is not judging us in that way. We are judgmental. And so in our limited capacity and understanding, we ascribe our personal characteristics are humanly characteristics to Allah, because we are petty and judgmental, we imagine God to be petty and judgmental, and he is not, he is above and beyond, and more um, magnificent than these human attrib- uh, attributions, so the way to really think of Allah, the mindset, the positive mindset to have of Allah, is that he's like your amazing cheerleader, right? On the sidelines of your life Um, and not even on the sidelines, in your life, just like, you've got this, you can do it. Okay, you made that mistake. It's all right, get back up. We can do it again. Don't worry, I'm here for you. Just like constantly promoting you on your side, lining things up for you. Okay, here's this opportunity. Here's this thing. Um, Okay, this thing is not good for you. Turn this way, like we're gonna close that off. And he's just guiding you to keep growing. And so when you shift your mindset that God is on your side and he wants you to be successful, then you begin to look at your life differently. You look at the things that happened to you in in your past differently. You process them and understand them differently, that the things that didn't work out were protections and the way things have been were all perfectly necessary for you to be where you are today and you can appreciate them and not feel regret or remorse about them and then you can look forward in your life and moment to moment in your life that God is lining up everything for you for your growth and development and true success right and that's the place where we have to be widen our understanding of success broader than what we have determined is success for ourselves that we're like oh you know I want to have this specific amount of money and I want to have this career and I want to be with this type of partner and we have to widen it and understand that Allah is going to give us the best and it might look different from what we are conceiving of what is what we think is the best and if we can open up our mind and understanding to characterize more things as good and um, and the best for us, we will be able to see that Allah is on our side. Mm-hmm. So now then that mm-hmm. brings us to your question of, well, okay, now how do I stay in this positive mindset? Okay, so I've shifted into this mindset. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, wow, I totally feel it. Like all those things I thought I messed up on, it's, it's okay. And okay, Allah's on my side. This is good. And then the next hurdle, you know, comes up um, with us that you face in your life. And you're, like how do i how do i stay in this positive mindset and here it becomes a practice of remembrance right allah tells us to make constant dhikr and dhikr means remembrance and that is just to remind yourself constantly daily of these things right you can Mm -hmm. put post its up on your wall or you can set alarms on your phone Mm -hmm. whatever it is that works for you uh, whatever phrase or or thing that works for you if it just wants to be like god's on my side or you know remembering to say alhamdulillah and you know shukran and all those things but that's what that practice of dhikr is for and then also that's what that practice of prayer is for before my conception of prayer was like that it was something that i just had to do right it's on my checklist Mm -hmm. i have to pray five times a day um okay i'm I'm praying, and the feeling that i had was kind of like that I'm doing God a favor, right? Like, at the end of the day, if I did all five prayers, like, yes, okay, Allah, I did my five prayers, you can mark that off as done, like, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. give me the reward from them. Like, you know, I did it for you, but really, prayer is not for Allah, Allah doesn't need our prayers. Prayer is for us. We have to pray to remember that, okay, all right, I'm praying for her, it's the middle afternoon. Oh, the morning was so crazy. I'm praying and asking God for help with what's going on and remembering that I'm not all alone and he's on my side and whatever things I was supposed to get done in the morning and I didn't get done. Please God, give me the strength to do them in the afternoon. And it's for us to check in and remind ourselves that Allah is there for us and we're not navigating through this life alone. So to use prayer as they were intended to be used, Allah wants us to pray because we need it. If we don't pray, if we don't remember that he's on our side, it's just so easy to get overwhelmed with life. Like, literally so much is coming at us constantly, nonstop. If we were to deal with it all by ourselves, we would have stress, anxiety, and depression. And that is what most people have because Mm -hmm. they're trying to deal with it by themselves. So prayer is to be like, look, you're not supposed to be dealing with all of life's struggles by yourself. You're supposed to be coming to me. Um, and so that's how you stay in the positive mindset is by remembering God is by praying to God is by recounting the blessings that you have right that's why Allah tells us be grateful to go and see okay you know it's a beautiful day at least I have you know my parents or I am living in a, in a safe neighborhood or I have whatever it is be grateful and remember the blessings that you have which gives you proof that you are worthy of blessings and can have more blessings so those are the ways to stay in that positive frame of mind,
0: wow, that is so good. you honestly just changed my mindset and. <laughs> (laughs) Like, it's so important to remember in those moments where I might encounter struggles or difficulties and feel like I'm so stuck, but also remember that in the ups and the downs, Allah is still there. You know, He's always still there with you from day one, and sometimes I can forget that and just feel alone, but it's such a good feeling to know that He's always there no matter what. And that he doesn't need me but I need him yes
3: exactly and this is really important for like the the minor um the minor stress and anxiety and like um depression that you know people and we have all the time but if you're experiencing like severe cases of that of course go also get you know medical help Mm -hmm. and therapy and um, all of those things. This is not for someone who, you know, is beyond the typical everyday um, stressors that that most of us are facing. But so much can with that shift in mindset for anyone with the common stressors will be alleviated through the shift in mindset. And the Mm -hmm. other piece of the mindset is your view of yourself, right? So first you have to shift to this positive view of Allah that he's on your side. And then the second piece, is your view of yourself and here is to remember that you are good and you are worthy and you are um, created exactly as you should be and to push back against the voices of fear and doubt and worry that we all have that self-talk that tends to lean towards harsh kind of beratement in some cases of many of us like criticizing Mm -hmm. us criticizing ourselves to push back against that and that's another form of remembrance is to push back like it's okay I am good I know I did make that mistake and forgive myself for this and remind myself of of my goodness. And those things, because if you just believe that Allah is good and merciful and kind, that's one piece. But if at the same time, you're also thinking, well, I'm a screw up and I messed up so bad and this is not, you know, and I'm not a good person. It'll be hard for you to to still benefit from knowing that Allah's on your side. You, in addition, have to change your self-talk to be positive and loving and caring and the way that you talk to like your best friend, that's the way you want to talk to yourself,
0: mm that's such a good reminder. Speaking about the voices in your head, I want to talk about the ego for a bit. Personally, when I think of the word ego, I automatically think of the shaitan or the devil because of how much it can blind us to things and turn us into ruthless human beings. You know, people say the root of all evil is money and I say the root of all evil is ego. So can you talk about the ego are there any good parts to it or is it something we should work on eliminating and how much can the ego negatively impact our life in the way we view things
3: um so the ego is our own self-image of ourselves that we've created so who we are truly right if you say who you know who am i -hmm. you know oh i'm zahra i'm daughter of this i'm coach i'm whatever whatever mom um the truth of who i am is none of those things those are labels those are roles those are um characteristics uh about me but it's not who who i am who i am is a spirit i'm a spirit Mm -hmm. created by allah you know, that he breathed into and then put me into this human form. Um, and I'm here on earth. And now what the ego is, is the ego is our body and the roles and labels and all of those things that we've attached. So it creates, it's like, I, you know, it's literally, I'm a spirit. And then the ego is like the statue of our figure that we've created around this spirit. And why it can become so dangerous or so harmful or lead to our, you know, suffering, suffering in this life and in the next is because if we become too attached to our ego that we've created,
0: mm-hmm.
3: we are very easily hurt and offended and uh, destroyed, right? You know, someone um, criticizes you and that's a blow to your ego. Someone doesn't like your outfit and that's a blow to your ego. Someone, something, ha- let's say you've got a great education and some something happens with the school that you went to that it's discredited and it's ashamed. Now that's a blow to your ego. Oh my God, like now who am I if I'm not, you know, this degree that I got? And so when you are associated and identifying so closely with the ego, that that is the issue. The issue is, to realize your true nature and to remind yourself of your true nature that i'm a spirit i don't need to identify with these labels and characteristics my worthiness my value my um identity my perfection is divine and eternal and i don't need to prove myself to anyone here on earth and i don't need to defend myself from anything because i'm protected and i'm safe and i'm and i'm perfect in that sense I'm a perfect spirit but when we attach ourselves to our ego then we have to do all of this this defending and manipulating and calculating of like how am I going to get this and what do I do with about that and how what do they think of me and how do I want them to think of me and all of those things um, that our ego has us do because it is afraid and insecure and so so you know consumed and concerned by what it appears to be Mm -hmm. and that's the danger
0: Mm -hmm. it's literally the shaitan like when i think of the ego it can really change your whole values and whole beliefs and make you act in a certain way that you wouldn't even recognize yourself and just separating yourself from your body for a second and realizing that everything or every situation isn't directly about you is such a relief and then you start looking at like well this is all temporary anyway, so why is it worrying me why are the voices in my head you know this body is temporary and so it's such a relief of knowing that there's so much more energy divine energy out there instead of just focus on everything about us and the way we look and the media and this so i just wanted to bring that up
3: Mm -hmm. and the other point i'd add there is also like your ego is never satisfied Mm -hmm. right if you like if we take appearance for example your ego will be like okay you need to Um, you know, be, lose this much weight and you need to dress in this certain way and you need to whatever, whatever. So let's say you do, you go on a diet and you lose the weight and then you, upgrade your wardrobe and you change your style Um, and you're like okay I did everything the ego said great now I look great your ego wouldn't be satisfied it would be the next thing oh okay well now the next thing is that people are doing such and such and now you you know you have to do keep up with those fashion trends and you have to modify yourself in this way so it's it's a never-ending game the ego is always seeking more and more whereas your true self your internal self if you're coming from that place it it will be satisfied and it will reach a place of contentment, but your ego will not, or take the, the opposite example of like eating some food that you really like. Your ego will be like, just have another bite or have another slice of cake or whatever it is. Even if you've just eaten a slice of cake, you'll be like, just have more because it, it doesn't care about your higher self, about your higher goals. It cares about you listening to it. So it just wants to show that you are obeying it. And that's that's the danger. Like that's the shaitan mm-hmm. the danger, as Allah tells us, right? Those who obey and follow the whims of their own selves. That, you know, in this day and age, you read the Quran and it's like uh, the people who worship the idols and this and that. And even the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, like, I don't feel fear for you guys worshiping stone idols or, you know, those types of things. The era that we're in right now is people just worshipping their own selves worshiping their ego whatever their ego tells them to do they do it it tells them that they have to dress a certain way they dress a certain way it tells them that you need to stop eating and be anorexic they stop eating it tells them that Mm -hmm. they need to you know they have to adhere to everything that their parents say and become a doctor even if they have no interest in medicine they do it so even things that seem good right? Like, you have to obey your parents, you have to do that. Um, It can be detrimental if it is against what your own spirit is calling for you, right? Like, let's say you're call, you're internally, you're calling that you enjoy wood making, right? And you make beautiful wooden crafts, but you're, you know, you're so caught up in your ego. No, I can't disappoint my parents. It's, we want the prestige of being a doctor. I have to, I have to do this. I have to be a doctor. So you go to med school and you become a doctor and you suppress that part of yourself. That In that way, when it can just get you to obey it, right? It can start with things that seem good, that, oh, okay, you became a doctor, that's good. But then the next thing, okay, all the doctors, you know, are doing whatever, and then you do that, whatever, and all now this, now that, and slowly and slowly, as you listen more and more to your ego, it can begin to lead you away to from things that are not good to things that are bad, but you've been trained and you have no practice In denying and taming your ego, that you can be led to things that you might not, you know, have ever Mm -hmm. considered previously,
0: and that's the thing because the ego is always going to constantly change. But you just have to remember that the only thing is that's constant is God, and that's never going to change. So, with all that being said. Oftentimes, younger Muslims read all these things about perfecting their faith, maintaining their prayer, being a good daughter or son, or even fighting the ego. So sometimes they get overwhelmed and not feel like they're making progress or losing this spiritual feeling after prayer because it becomes something they're used to doing. So for my Gen Z Muslims, what would you say are a few simple steps or advice to attaining the peace of islam and the right islamic mindset
3: yeah i would say that main thing is to take time out to be by yourself to just sit and think um to reflect to meditate to to journal to just ask yourself questions of like what do i want my life to look like um What do I want to do? What is my ideal? You know, what am I worried about? What is my biggest fear? What do I want to be remembered for? Just getting to a place where you can really get to know yourself. Because for Gen Z, uh, and for all of us right now, we're in, you know, this digital age, this age of social media where there is. Uh, so much external noise in terms of what's good and what's best, right? Like, oh, fame is the most important. How you look is really important. And, and you know, that you are associated with these things and listen to this type of music and are in with that type of crowd. Those are the things that are so important. And so if you're, if you never take the time to figure out for yourself what are the things that are important to you and that you like. It's very easy for society's ideas to be implanted on you and for you to falsely believe that it's your own idea. Right. So you if you're a Gen or you might be like, oh, my gosh, you know, I have to become an ins- a YouTube star or an Instagram star. And I want to be known for, you know, w- whatever is the latest thing right now. I don't know if it's baking or fashion or um, whatever it is. I want to be known for that. Um, and you think like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I totally love that but you don't really you just saw your ego is seeing other people you know Mm -hmm. having this type of lifestyle that you that you've decided is good or better and so it's like yes this is what we like this is what we want to do and that's what we have to do um and then you try and do it and you're you know you're struggling to do it you're struggling to find success in it you're struggling to keep up with those people who are doing it you're like oh my god i'll never be as good as them and it's really because it's coming from a place for you that is not Um, that is not genuine. That's not what you, that's not what you're good at. That's not what you want to do. But you don't know that because you've never taken the personal inventory and stock of your life to, to figure that out. So for Gen Z is to disconnect, you know, to unplug, um, to give yourself those moments every day in the morning, in the evening, whatever time of day it is that you are spending time by yourself, with yourself, and really turning inwards
0: you would honestly be surprised of how much you can learn from yourself by taking the time to listen to yourself and and listen to your thoughts and i always remind myself in this time to not be influenced by everything that i see whether that be in person or online or something that i hear but rather to be inspired because that makes you want to learn from it and actually accomplish something with it. So I want to shift the conversation right now to a very important topic which is dismantling systemic racism in the United States and within the Muslim community. In your recent igtv you mentioned why the fight for racial justice is important and specifically why muslims should be at the forefront of this issue can you talk about your personal views and experiences as a black muslim hijabi fighting for this prolonged racial injustice within the us and within the muslim community And also why this is a bigger fight than just asking for equal rights. Yeah,
3: I mean, that's like a huge and important topic. Mm Um, So thank you so much for having the space for this conversation and for um, allowing me to share. And I would say, yeah, like as a Black Muslim growing up in Southern California in a white suburb in a masjid that was only Indo-Pakistani and Arab, we were the only Black family there. My parents are immigrants from Kenya. And what I can say is that for the Muslim community, what I saw then and what I'm still seeing now is kind of this idea that islam doesn't have racism or that like we've already dealt with it like the prophet already told us peace be upon him that like you know we can't judge people by the color of skin so like we know better and we don't really do that and i pray next to black people and i know there's african muslims so we're good and that idea is not true and so it's very harmful for um for muslims who are not black because there is racism in the Muslim community. And whether you realize it or not, we all have been fed and taught that white is superior, mm-hmm. is the superior race. You know, it's perpetrated all throughout the media, you know, that white is white is right, white is better. Um, you know, it's not explicit, But that's, but that is the notion that is, you know, in many of our home countries, skin lightening creams are very common. Why? Because it is, uh, the closer you are to whiteness, the more beautiful you're considered to be and the better it is, um, Mm -hmm. for your prospects. Right. And there's colorism in, in every country. And the darker, the darker Arab you are, the darker Indian you are, the darker everything you are, the worst treated you are in that society. And again, that is part of the white, white supremacy, that white is superior. So for Muslims to really appreciate and understand that racism is alive and well within themselves and within the Muslim community, and that because of that, they don't even appreciate and understand and have heard the stories of their black um and African Muslim brothers and sisters, because it's just been mostly dominated by Arab and Desi voices. So that's the first piece, is to realize that Muslims are not immune from racism. A Muslim can be racist, and mm-hmm. Muslims are racist. Muslims are not only racist to non-Muslim Black people, but they are racist to they're Muslim, Black brothers and sisters. And it comes through in these, you know, people might be watching these videos of these Karens and things, and it comes through in kind of similar ways in the Muslim community. For example, you know, I will get that uh, when talking about a, a, a Black issue or something, they're like, oh, yeah, but you're Muslim, right? Like, as as mm-hmm. if to say that because I'm Muslim, I'm not experiencing things as a Black person or it's negating my blackness. I'm a different kind of black because I'm Muslim. And that's not true. Most predominantly when people see me, what they see is that I'm black. Even if I'm wearing hijab, like that will come secondary, even for Muslims. They might be like, oh, I didn't know that you were Muslim. Like I'm wearing hijab just like you. And that's part of the racism that you won't assume like, oh, maybe she's just some African or black girl wearing it wearing a scarf who knows how black people you know do their hair so that's part of racism that you wouldn't think that i'm muslim like you even though i'm wearing my headscarf like you or you would think that all black people are converts so when did you convert and i didn't convert or that you would think that i'm muslim but i'm not sunni muslim i'm a nation of islam so i'm not Mm -hmm. true muslim or that you would think oh well i don't know arabic or i don't know how to read the quran or say my prayers in arabic that it's all broken or i can't speak it so though they don't understand that those things are stemming from racism right they might just think like oh i just wasn't sure i haven't met that many black muslims or whatever whatever but it's all perpetrated and pushed through it is a thought that derives its origin from racism to make the muslim black people again different inferior and not truly part of the real Ummah, the Muslim community.
0: That is so wrong in many ways. I know that Islam doesn't even allow any of this, and so the religion of Islam, it's perfect the way it is, the way that Allah created it, but the humans and the Muslims in that community can kind of twist it or think that they have some right of taking their own view of it in their own way, and that is absolutely wrong. I really think that we should do something about it in terms of addressing it, researching it, taking the time to talk to black Muslims, black women, black men who are Muslims, uh, speaking with the sheikh, letting him talk about it during the khutbah because I don't think it's at all what Islam should represent. And Islam doesn't represent it. It's the humans and sometimes humans can be imperfect. So narrowing down on racism in the Muslim community, I want to also talk about it in like the hijabi community, uh, or non-hijabi. During khutbas, I've witnessed Muslim women not saying salam back to, to black Muslim women, and not only does that make me angry, but I ask myself, how can this and why is this even happening because this goes against the qualities that a Muslim should carry, and so in that situation i do make it my mission to say salam to black muslim women in front of the ladies who usually don't and they do look at me weird they're like oh okay she's doing it so i guess i might do it next time but it shouldn't be like that and maybe I could set an example of how it should be done but then again that's just me so one person can't do everything but each person can do something this is something that should be addressed and talked about during the khutbah and is something that should absolutely be eliminated so can you talk about the ways we can discuss dismantling and eliminating racism in the Muslim community um, and that's we as in non-black hijabi women, Muslim men, the sheikhs, what can we and what should we do? Yeah, I love that
3: example that you gave that you always say salams to um, black muslimas when you see them. And that in and of itself is an example of, um, you know, if people don't say salams to me or to other black muslimas, again, it's just this kind of notion like, oh, they're not really Muslim. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even Uh, it doesn't even register, you know, they're not registering that they're doing something wrong. That's how part of it works that they would just assume they're not really muslim and i haven't done any wrong and i don't think need to say salams to them or when you know i say salams to them that they're like taking it back and it takes them a second I'm like oh okay well mm-hmm. salam. like i didn't I didn't know yeah. you're gonna know that or that you were muslim or that you're gonna say it say it to me um so to understand like how in the muslim community there's everyone is tries to distance themselves from blackness right anti-black um sentiment is a worldwide phenomenon, and people want to distance themselves from Blackness. The other way it comes across is in marriage. You know, for me, I've shared my story um, in other areas and venues of um, knowing and realizing that the Dacian Arab community, none of those aunties are going to want their son to marry me because Mm -hmm. I'm Black, right? They don't want to have a Black person or have a half-Black child in their family that That is part of anti-blackness. Um, and part of racism. And so what to do about dismantling systemic racism? You know, racism started and is invented through the notion of race, that there are different races and there's a hierarchy of races that European colonizers established and invented. And then they put themselves at the top and they put all brown people in the middle and they put black people at the bottom. And once they had this hierarchy and they had themselves on the top, then it became easier to justify the brutal you know oppression and looting and pillaging of of black people right using slavery of course um but other invasions and occupations and um stripping of resources and going going into countries and just taking over and dominating black people in that way and and then they in addition to inventing this notion of race and that they were superior and trying to use They tried to use science, right? They tried to do studies on brains and circumference size and to prove and to show that black people were inferior, which was all just non, you know, pseudoscience, just lies. And you can look this Mm -hmm. up. They had textbooks and things that scientists would go through and show like okay as we can see you know from the negro head this means that you know they are less smart they are more docile these are the terms that they would use they're more docile um not as creative more more prone to be able to um to dominate and then in addition to science then they also use the church and they twisted christianity to say that it was their god-given position to be the dominant race and rule over the savages and barbarians in uh in every you know in every place in the world right british extending its rule and all aborigines and native people in all different lands were considered barbarians and savages and there was their god divine you know rights and mission to to rule over them so christianity has this history of using science and its religion, or white people, I guess, have this history of using science and religion to support this notion that white is superior. Then we have Islam, which Islam, you know, the prophet's last sermon, and all of Islam was made to correct errors in, in society, and Islam says, no, there is no difference between a black and a white, an Arab and a non-Arab. And you are all created from Adam and Eve. And when I created Adam, you know, I created him of the mix of all the different colors of the earth. So there is no, you know, there is no scientific basis for it because God is telling you that you're all the same Adam and you all came from Adam and Eve you have one mother and father so you can't tell me that there's a scientific difference between a black person or a Chinese person and a white person or whatever so no scientific difference and then Islam again is a religion and as a religion it's saying there is no we are all should be treated equal everyone should be treated equal so Islam has the truth of it in it that there is no different races and so where Muslims come in is to reteach themselves and reteach the world, right? We need to unlearn, not reteach, unlearn the notion of different races and unlearn the idea of the hierarchy and show and lead the world in them understanding that we are all one human race, we are all brothers and sisters, we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, and there is no hierarchy and black people are equal to everyone else and if they are equal they have to be treated equally and where that comes in in this dismantling of white supremacy is that America most poignantly is founded upon the oppression and the dominating of black bodies that you know if you look outside now for COVID-19 for the pandemic the essential workers who are out and keeping this country running are mostly black people and brown people and they're the ones suffering from the pandemic at higher rates right because they are Mm -hmm. taking more public transportation they're the ones who are delivery drivers Mm -hmm. and grocery store workers and and these types of positions where they still need to interact with the public and then they're also in poor neighborhoods that need are relying on public transportation or crowded housing so they're not able to self-isolate And on top of that, they've already been dealing with a healthcare system that never served them. And when it did, it was racist. So they have many underlying health conditions that have never been addressed because they couldn't get healthcare to begin with. So now when they're hit with with COVID, their body is more susceptible and not able to fight it off because of the underlying health conditions that they're facing. So the racism has put Black people in a position where they're at the bottom and they are exploited and used and oppressed to prop up the economy. That they are doing these jobs that have been deemed hourly and low wage, so they don't have access to better housing and to mm-hmm. health insurance to have healthcare and to you know to be able to you know get nicer cars and whatever have be able to have cars for transportation and all of those things. So when we talk about dismantling systemic racism, it's a dismantling of the economic system that America relies on, that you're not going to have this de facto lower class that is doing this essential work that it, they are underpaid for. And that is why you see the resistance in America to giving Black people equality, right? After the end of slavery, it never went away. They just renamed it, rebranded it, and presented it in a different package first it was jim crow then you know that segregation and then jim crow Mm -hmm. and now you know we have all of these different terms for it but it's the same system prison industrial complex So many black people are the ones in prison
0: you know everything you said is is so true and and so important about dismantling the social and economic injustice that's going on and that's been built for so many years so i i loved every everything in the way that you explained it.
3: Thank you. Yeah, and we really have like this moment in history where I feel that we are able to actually address it and and tackle it and make some real headway and change you know Allah has already kind of lined things up that the system is already weak because of the pandemic and that now so many people can truly see how brutal and unjust and criminal it is so we have an opportunity to to push forward this and really strive for a more equal society—that it doesn't have to be a dream—that it can be something that we could we could see in our lifetime.
0: Thank you so much for coming on here. I learned so much from you and about the mindset, and I love that we discuss such important topics. Can you share with our listeners where they can find you on social media?
3: Yes, um, you can find me. The almost only social media I use is Instagram, um, and I have a personal account that's at Z for Zahra, uh, and then I have my coaching account which is at practical muslim and on my coaching account i share islamic devotionals which are really beautiful short reminders that will support you to hold your mindset in a positive view of Allah. And I have my website that's by the same name, practicalmuslim.com, where you can find out more about me, about and read my blog. And also if you are interested in my coaching services, that's all at practicalmuslim.com. And one of the coaching programs that I currently have available is a group Coaching program specifically Mm -hmm. designed for your spiritual growth, spiritual transformation around what we discussed in the beginning of the podcast around shifting your mindset and your view of Allah, in your view of yourself, and your view of others. It's a six week transformational program.
0: Thank you so much for coming on here and speaking with me about the prolonged injustice. It's still an ongoing fight today.
3: Of course, I'm so grateful that you
0: reached out to me and that I
3: could be a guest. Thank you so much. And the main thing I would say is to never despair and to don't belittle any of your small actions, even if it's just sharing something on social media, keep doing it. And of course, if you can do more, do more, but don't belittle any good or any acts that you're doing in the cause of justice or in the cause of growing yourself personally and spiritually.
0: Thank you for tuning in and spending this time listening to this episode. If you could take one second to support this podcast by sharing it and leaving an honest review, it would mean so much to me and help us to reach many different audiences to spread our stories about the hijab. Let me know what you thought about this episode and tell me what you want to hear more of. Until next time, never forget the power of being a hijabi. Thanks for reaching the end of the episode. We hope you learned something new about the women who wear the hijab. You can watch the recorded video of this episode on YouTube at Journal Hijabi and be sure to follow our Instagram at Journal Hijabi to stay updated on all things hijabi and help spread our stories. Until next time, never forget the power of being a hijabi.